Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. classic big interview. This season, we're going all the way back to 2019-2020, and we've picked out one of our absolute favourites. This is what I had to say about it back then. During World Cup 1978, yeah, here's a clue, soccer fans, I was 14. And for the winning team, Argentina, there were three players that stood out for me, Leopoldo Luque, Mario Kempes and Osvaldo Ardiles. He was my early, early introduction to what would become the glories of Iniesta and Xavi. Didn't know why he stood out to me so much, but in the bike shed at the old Cults Academy, when we were playing World Cup with a tennis ball, two guys against two guys against two guys, and a keeper, first to score goes through. When we smacked that tennis ball past the keeper, Ardiles was the name we were shouting out then. Certainly I was. First time I met Ozzy Ardiles, quite some significant time later, I found out he was one of the few men in the world who swear as much as I do and as gleefully as I do. I don't care what people say about how I speak about my guests. I choose them with affection and wisdom. I choose them because largely I think they'll bring you great stories and tell them well. But I adore Ozzy. World Cup winner. I think, I think the first World Cup winner on this series. Is that right, people? Tell me, help me. Aussie, yeah, everybody's going to remember him for his cheeky skills, his cheeky grit and his toughness. When Mickey Hazard was recently in Barcelona speaking to Spurs fans on stage, he was asked, who would you immediately take one player from your era into the modern Spurs, and he didn't choose Glenn Hoddle, who he thinks the world of. He chose Ozzy Ardiles. Ozzy Ardiles, you'll remember for, Ozzy's going to Wembley, his knees have gone to Tremblay. But the young Ozzy Ardiles, did you know he was in the Argentinian RAF? Did you know that while he was at university, studying to be a lawyer, friends of his who protested, protested democratic values, disappeared? And that means they were taken, tortured and killed. Why wasn't he one of them? Who was his infamous father-in-law? What was the World Cup like? Why did he nearly not play in the World Cup final? And when he did, why was there a massive, massive risk 
to his health and well-being and maybe even his eventual freedom. Who knows? There are stories galore in this episode with the mighty Osvaldo Ardiles. I am fortunate enough to know and be friends with his tremendously talented son. There'll be very poignant uh, descriptions of uh, Ozzy's time in the UK during the Falklands War, why he had to leave, what that felt like, and the loss of his cousin, who was the first of the Argentinian casualties during the Falklands War. Maybe not everybody will agree with everything that's said in this episode, but I guarantee you, you will see um, and understand a different side of Osvaldo Ardiles, Spurs legend, yes, manager in several different continents, world champion for Argentina. Stay tuned, this is a special episode. Today, um, beginning of you listeners, we're in the heart of London. It's grey outside, but there's a little ray of sunshine sitting about half a metre away from me. It's the man whose name I used to shout out when I scored a goal in World Cup football in the concrete of Colts Academy in 1958. Sorry, sorry, 1978. We have with us the majestic Osvaldo Ardiles. Ozzy, good morning. morning Hello, yes. good morning. And uh, yeah, the weather is uh, pretty bad outside, but I hope that uh, this interview is going to be a lot, lot better. That's a code for what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> well, yes, this is uh, exactly <laughs> when I was working... Toward this place, I was thinking, what the bloody hell I am doing here? What have I let myself into? We will see. Um, One of the bad things about life, Ozzy, is that we get older and people, Mm. young people come along. I hate them. Yes. But for their benefit, because I know what kind of footballer you are, take away Mm. your humility (laughs) and tell the truth. About the kid who played on television in baby football yes. at 12 in Cordoba, the guy who played brilliantly for La Gloria, who yeah. came to Spurs, etc., etc. Describe what made you, you, a world-class footballer. I would have to say that the main, main factor has been luck. Is this a simple... Oh, it is luck. I mean, when I said that, I have a kind of theory that everything in life is luck. Because I was born in a house. I was, first, I was born in a country that was uh, football crazy all the time. Um, I was born with a kind of uh, coordination between my mind and my legs, my body in general, but especially my legs. And in a place like Argentina, I have to be a football player. It's as simple as that. Uh, luck because I never have suffered any, any very bad injury. Luck because I survived one or two accidents that it would very easily cost my life. But, uh, luck because my father was a lawyer. That means that I, every day I eat a piece of steak, for example, because in Argentina we all, if you don't eat a steak, it's, it's like you have not eaten. So every day I would have a piece of steak and without potatoes and all uh, and spaghetti, whatever it is. So uh, all this, when you put all this into the mixer, it's uh, very, very clearly it's luck. You see, whenever you tolerated me at Revista de la Liga, and particularly on the yeah. nights out, <laughs> and you did tolerate me because mm. you were very generous, we always ended up in some kind of friendly argument. Or that. And I have to argue right now, you, yes. you haven't told the truth. You, no, said, no, no, it is you said you had to be a footballer. Your dad did not want you to be a football no not at all no 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 no. my dad was one of the very very few 
Argentinian people that did not did not like football. In fact, um, he didn't want to see me play. He was all the time afraid that I was going to be hurt, especially because I have. Uh, we were four brothers. I am the third one, and my two older brothers, especially my second brother, always took me to kind of very funny places, poor places, because the food was much much better. It was a proper challenge there uh, for me. So um, it was very very tough, and of course my father was not uh, was not happy uh, that I was playing there. Because your dad was a lawyer. Yes. So my yeah. So my father, as you know, I. I study law. Uh, that was the, my older brother is a lawyer, and uh, but I was I was playing and very naturally I was quite good. Little by little I was playing football. Uh, I knew I was very good. No fa- false modesty no, to here. Tell the truth because yes. we want people who, who didn't have the privilege of seeing yes. you to understand. Yes, some people always. I've been asked who discovered you. Well, nobody discovered me, or, or everybody discovered me. I mean, everybody knew I was going to be, I was going to be very, very good. And uh, the big question was because I was very small. I was very small, and so the question, the big question was: Yes, you're brilliant, but are you going to be able to play the first team? Football in Argentina was pretty cynical at the time, and so on. But little by little, I. Uh, I went there. When I started to play football, being a kid, so the challenge was to go. It was a shanty town, not far from my This house. is where your brother took you to the shanty town. Yes. Is this football potrero yes. that we're talking yes. about? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, you see the, the pitches there, they were awful. Funny enough, for example, my brother, my two older brothers, they could not come into the shanty town. No, 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 because they you you arrive with the Nike shoes or some kind of... You, you, no, no, nobody will hit you, nothing. But they will, they will take everything from you. I mean, they will take it. Oh, they, they take it. You cannot go with the bicycle. They will take the bicycle. Of course, that is they go without saying. And if you receive and so on, they will give you a pop bomb and, and they will take it anyway. <laughs> Funny enough, I I could go there. Why? Because I was a good football player. It was this kind of respect. So I come inside the house and yeah, no problem. And some of the boys, I took I took them home. We play, and after that, come on, come into my house and so on, and. My poor mother, that they would give him a sandwich or something to eat and tea, coffee, whatever it was, or chocolate, and yeah. But football gave me this kind of uh, protection. They would try to kick me, yes, of course. Um, so I learned a lot. I mean, I, have, I learned how to defend myself. I never have a, I never have a, a bad injury. My first injury, in fact, was when I was 30 years old. Uh, a silly, a silly one. We maybe come later on to that. In playing in Manchester City, blah blah blah. But it was. Um, I never had in, any injuries because playing in that kind of situation, then it gave me the ability to to jump when 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 the tackle was coming to anticipate. I need to ask you, Ozzy, because I think it's important to your story. Your wife's dad was chief of police. Yes, and Cordoba in those days was quite an interesting place. What kind of city were you growing up in? It's a very beautiful city. Yep. But but in those days, I think it was a city full of risk, mm. full of conflict. Yes. Try to make people understand what was going on around you in Cordoba. Well, that was the time you're talking about early 70s, 71, 72, 73, and so on. I made my debut in the first team, 69, I was 17 years old. I was pretty famous 
because that comes from being... This is Instituto, La Gloria, Instituto, no? Instituto, okay. La Gloria in Córdoba, yes. Um, very nice club. Again, I was playing... I was born in, in a place called Juniors, um, General Paz Juniors, and it's very affluent, and, and I was a member of the, of, of the club. This club, Juniors, was the best club in Córdoba. It was brilliant. It was done... Number one in everything, in, in basketball, in swimming, you have everything. They have every, like Real Madrid, so they have everything and so on. So it was the best, the best club in Colorado. My father made me, made me so I, was, I lived there. I lived there every day and so on, I was there. They were not the number one in football, crucially. So when, when I had to sign, I started 13 years old and I started to play more serious football, I went to sign for Instituto. That in football was better than juniors, but nowhere near in, as a club. Cordoba is the second city of Argentina. Argentina is divided by states, like United States. So you have um, the number one state is Buenos Aires. And the capital, where the, where the capital is, Buenos Aires, the capital of the, of the country. <coughs> the second state uh, is Cordoba. And the capital of the Cordoba state is Cordoba City. So I was in Cordoba City. So uh, Cordoba City is uh, Che Guevara was born there, for example. Um, to give you an idea. Famous revolutionary, famous... Very, very, very famous. Left-wing yeah, 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 exactly. A lot of the things that happened in Argentina, a lot of the things start in Córdoba. Why? Because you have a very famous, very, very famous... The, the first university in, uh, in Argentina, one of the very first in, in Latin America. So a place of learning, yes. a place of culture, yes. a place of education, yes. a place which... The ruling people don't like sometimes a place of thinking and ideas. Absolutely. And I was in university as well. I was in a very social theme. I mean, law. If I understand it, you lived in a time of kidnappings, bombings, yes, 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 trying yes. to overthrow the state government. Yes, it was a big uh, upheaval. In fact, in 1969, against the, the national power, Perón, uh, Juan Domingo Perón was living in Spain at the time, in Madrid, and... Uh, he was uh, out of the presidency in Argentina in 1952, 53, no, 54. I had one or two years old, and he went to, to Madrid, and he was commanding Argentinian politics, in fact, from there. From Spain. From Spain, that's right. The Peronista, very, very strong in Argentina. And in Argentina, we have a military government, very, a little bit, not very clever, say. And uh, so there were a lot of revolt in Cordoba. And now, coming back a little bit to your question, my father-in-law, say, uh, then he was a colonel in the army, and he was put as a, as a chief of police in, in Cordoba City. What it means, really, that, it was, that was Perón come back to Argentina, and he was the president of Argentina. So when that happened, uh, it was uh, in, in Cordoba, it was a democratic government, the Peronistas. But the Peronistas have basically have two wings. One is the very, very right wing, kind of fascist, and the other one was a very, very left wing. And the one in Cordoba was left wing. So, in fact, it was quite a problem for, for Perón. So, my father-in-law, he was imposing the government of Cordoba as a chief of police. And, yeah. To bring order, to, 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 bring, to keep people... To, to have it in check. But to give you an idea how, how it was, I, I was married in 1973. December 1973, at the end, after Christmas. I was married there, and I have presents from Perón, I have presents from, from the governor of Córdoba, uh, the, the governor, the vice-governor, the minister of justice, everybody, they were in my wedding, December of 73. Two months later, my father-in-law put all of them in jail and took control of, of the government. 
it was, uh, it was a very, very serious incident. It uh, is. You, uh, you can imagine. There were people dead in the, because they were, uh, they were fighting in the, in the street and, yeah. and so on and so on and so on. When I was there, it didn't, it didn't look that bad, say. But in fact, it was a cold room of... Uh, and apart from that, I was in university as well. Yeah. So it was all these ideas, in, I mean, the different ideas and... I mean, some of my friends in university disappeared, for example. Disappeared? They disappeared, yes. Which so, means they were taken and killed. That's right. To complicate more things, in, I, did the, I did the army. I was con- conscripted. In this the, was obligatory. You had to you do had, it, really? Yes, yes. You, you had, had to do one you, year? When you were 20 years old, you had, for one year, you had to do it. What kind of soldier were you? I did the, the first part. The, the first part was um, the tough part, the, all the, the training and so on. So, I mean, Hair running cut? completely, like, like you. Shaved off. Shaved. It was a wonderful experience. Of course, I didn't want to do it, but after being there, the camaraderie, it's incredible. You are in the army and people talk about, it's funny how things work sometimes. People talk about patriotism, talking about the nation and this and that and the other. And I may be a little bit of a Judas, but uh, the only thing that you, you have to do there was to survive. Not that they were going to kill you, no, but to survive meaning that you have to be there trying to do the less work possible. It teaches you to be very, very street smart, right? I was quite street smart, to be honest, <laughs> already, because I was already playing in the first team. So I was the most famous in the, in, in the plateau, say, because I was playing so many games. I played, it was the first time Instituto went to play in Buenos Aires. We played with a big guy. We played against Boca Junior, River Play. So it was a, for Cordo, it was unbelievable. I did the army, say, from 7 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock. Then I went. I went to, I went to my house. I, I stayed sometime to eat in the army because it was, not in, it was not the army. It was in the, in fact, it was the Air Force. Great memories. That year was incredible because I did, I, I did the army. I did the football, of course, uh, training every day, and, uh, and university as well. So everything. So coming back to the university, this is what maybe saved me because the, the university, especially in Cordo, especially law, it was a kind of a cold room of new ideas. By definition, they were again the, against the, the government, the, the junta. again the, the right wing. Because you lived in a democratic state, yes, of course. you were in an ancient university yes. in a legal department where people were thinking about Justice, universal justice, exactly. not the law, no, no. liberty. They were talking about. They were talking about liberty. They were talking about justice. They were talking about democracy. And, uh, and, and then, in all seriousness, to go mm. back because just so that people understand, that's why some of your friends disappeared and yes, were killed. Right. Yes, yes. And when yes. you said, "What saved me?" Maybe football saved me because I was very, very pro. Uh, I was very in, in my ideas. You very. had the same ideas as the yes. people who disappeared. Yes. But you can imagine, without proving it. Somewhere upstairs, somebody who might have said, take that guy too, they went, no, okay, he's no, a no, footballer. No, no. I, didn't, no, I didn't express my idea. I didn't have time. I didn't have time to be in university and to, and to be a member of a, of a party, maybe a Labour Party. Or, or I didn't have time, so I didn't do it. I was, uh, mentally, I was, uh, my ideas were with them, yes, but I never expressed it, or I never, I, I never have time, no. Eventually, did you... Did you clash with your father-in-law, or did you just keep quiet? No, 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 no. My father-in-law was very, very right-wing. Yeah. And, uh, no, I never clashed. I just, well, I just came here. What happened is after 
Well, he did that in 73, 74, February 74. He organized the push against <laughs> democracy. Right, right. So what he should have done from the law point of view, it should be the, the national government should take control of the, of, of, of the state, uh, restore the authorities, the governor and so on. That is from the law point of view. And he who had to go in jail for, for well, what he did was sedition. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you came to England first, you had very little knowledge of England, very little knowledge of um, Tottenham Hotspur, very little English. And we've been told by a teammate of yours that on day one at the training, when you and Ricardo are there and training is finished, there wasn't the kind of player care that there is now with player liaison officers mm. who say, no. hello, foreign players that are really important to us. Let us take you back to your home and make sure you're happy. At the end of training on, on, on day one, they kind of just tip you out into the London streets in a Ford Cortina. Is that more or less how it happened? You're left to your own devices? One, it wasn't a Ford Cortina. It was a bit much better than that, but it's still not very good anyway. Um, <laughs> We arrived with Ricky, and Ricky was, um, Ricky, I mean, if Ricky had to come in his own, he would never have come in his own. He didn't want to come, Ricky. I was definitely, yes, I convinced Ricky to come, because I, I, I loved it. I, he was your roommate. Yes, because of all this thing that was happening in Argentina, I was, I, was, I was starting to feel very, very uncomfortable. I wanted, and after winning the World Cup, I thought, I, I already said, I, I wanted to carry on playing in Europe. I wanted to come to, not in England. I mean Europe. Europe yes. is for me. It Maybe was, Barcelona, Madrid. It was uh, Milan, Spain, Italy, and France in that order. As simple as that. Italy, England. There was no one single player, so not even coming to the equation. So anyway, but coming back to your question, we arrived with Rick. I knew a lot of things about England already. I knew well. I knew because of my education. I knew the, the capital, London. So it was when it was London, I was very very happy, very very happy. Though it was not. Uh, another city say it was London the capital and Ricky we've had the first training and Ricky was pulling my oh see he said oh see oh see yeah Ricky what, what happened what happened he said this to me crap <laughs> this is something that 
keep working shall never was very economical with the truth to put it like that. I mean, never told me that the thing was coming from the second to the first. They just got they just got promoted, didn't they? He did. Maybe I will. That will tip the balance for me not to come. Yeah. Because after winning the World Cup, I wanted to carry on winning things, being in a proper team, and so on. And by definition, if you are from the second division to the first division, you're going to be struggling. Basically, unluckily, we have a Glenn Hoddle and, uh, and Steve Perriman. The rest were, were, it was very clearly a second division team. So it was incredible what we did from there. I mean, this first year, we finished middle of the table. Mm -hmm. It was an extraordinary accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Extraordinary. Immediately we played against Aston Villa. Aston Villa were a very good team at the, at the time. Uh, they, were, they were the champion the, the year European after. European champions 81. That's right. Brilliant. Um, so they beat us 4-1 at home. And then we went to Liverpool. They beat us 7-0. And... So things were incredibly bad. I remember we, Saturday we played Liverpool and they beat a 7 nil. And so we have a, our lesson, but Ricky was just married. So the, the lesson was all the time in my house, he lived next door. So sometimes he'll come, sometimes he won't come. Or sometimes he'll come, say hello, bye-bye, disappear. Okay. We had a teacher, Matthew, lovely, lovely man. And, and then, so we, we played Liverpool 7 nil, and Monday was a... Keith always did a kind of uh, meeting, all the players there and so on, and so we sit in the very back. All the senior players were there already, so all the, the junior ones here. But of course, Keith will ask questions. He will ask, what do you think of... Uh, and of course, he will ask the, the senior players, not going to be asking the, the, the kids. The, 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 the kids are quiet. <laughs> so, everybody was looking at the floor, <laughs> nobody said anything. And, and Keith said, what? Anybody want anything to say? And nobody. So Ricky stand up like that. Not, not a lie, 100%. He stand up like that and he said, Ricky, what do you want to say? Say, say what do you want to say? And he said, the cat is under the table. <laughs> and everybody went, <laughs> It was incredible. And nobody could, run, nobody could laugh as well. Because the cat was, is under the table. The cat is under the table. He learned it. The, 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 <laughs> That's the only thing he knew about, about English. That show you how we were playing at the time. That is when, when serious conflict, serious... Ricky was with this thing, for example, because... Well, footballistically, we were playing American, South American style, English style, something in the middle. A big mix. The a big mix. Yeah. We wanted definitely, definitely, definitely demanding the ball. Ricky was not touching the ball at all. You didn't touch the ball. Because maybe it's because always going over him. They or? didn't give the ball because Ricky was all the time kind of risky in the way he played and so on. So they, they don't pass the ball to him. So Ricky had a terrible, terrible time the first two and a half years at the beginning. Ricky, when coming 1981, for example, Ricky was going to be, Ricky was, uh, for example, they, my contract, they multiplied by three, my contract. His contract was, the improvement was 10%. Mm. He knew, of course, I would tell him, boom, this is it. So, so he was going. This is how bad he was. Of course, he scored the goal and then he five times more, uh, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> he scored so the goal, but he scored like, the goal in, and in, the, in the first part of the final, he's really unhappy because I don't know if it's the nerves or the ball doesn't go for him or it's just a bad day. Exactly. Uh, if you know Ricky, you know that, for example, you ask any Superman or all the boys there, know Ricky. Well, with Ricky, you never knew. You never, ever knew. I was his room partner all the time. I didn't know if he was going to have a good game or a bad game. Ricky would play absolutely brilliant. 
I have seen him playing certain games, for example, for Argentina, that if Maradona played in that way, Maradona would be very, very proud of playing in that way. He was so, so good. So extraordinary talent. In the other hand, I have seen Ricky play certain games that I said, is he a professional player? He cannot be. He cannot be a professional player. The first two years, well, the team didn't give him the ball. For me, it was a little bit different because somehow I can win the ball back, so I started to play and so on. And in fact, if I didn't give the ball to Ricky, he won't touch the ball. As simple as that. You but, had to supply Ricky? Or well, I was, yeah, the other guys wouldn't? Mostly. No, the defender, for example. When I go back to, to, to the defender, we're trying to demand the ball, especially with Glenn, to the central defender, to the right back, left back, hey, don't, don't kick it, don't, don't, don't. So we impose our, our way of thinking. Of course, it, it was, basically it was Glenn and me. I were, at, the, at the time, the, we were the two most important players. Of and Keith allowed you to, to reshape the idea of yes. the team because... Well, he was very happy. But not, not, not every... Because he's a hard man, Birkinshaw. People forget. Yes. Tough Yorkshireman. Yes. And most people in that position, even if the guy, you or Glenn, are good, they feel challenged. Mm. But he knew it was to his benefit because that's a little bit unusual in life. It was very, very clever to allow us. And then we became the most beautiful team to watch. And... And he have all these acclamations and how he has changed uh, football and so on. But like I said, it, it wasn't, basically it was Glenn and me. It was, and he allowed this to happen and so on. He was, after that, when I went to West Bromwich Albion, for example, he was my assistant manager. So, and, uh, and we used to clash a lot of time because I wanted to play everything from the back, start playing and so on. So, oh, no, 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 that is too much. And so, no compromise. Definitely we're going to play from the back. That to give you an idea. So he wasn't very, very happy sometimes with it. But Glenn and me, we will not lose the ball anyway. So he's starting to see the, to see the, to see the results. Mm. And then in two or three years later, when Archibald and Crooks arrived, they were the... A proper partnership. They were the icing on the cake because all the things have already started to improve. Chris Hutton, Tony Galvin, Grant Robert, Steve Perryman right back. So all the team is starting to, to improve. But we needed somebody from, and then the two of them arrived, and they were they were brilliant. They complemented each other extremely well, and and they were super players. There was a good guy in that team, in that squad, who didn't get enough games because of you and Glenn. And when I listened to him in Barcelona uh, last season, up on stage talking to people, and somebody said to him, Mickey, Mickey Hazard, mm. of all the players, mm. of every player that you would take and put in the modern Spurs. Mm. Who would you choose? Hmm. And he chose you. Well, I will be very... I, I, I will chin him if he didn't, he didn't pick me, yes. <laughs> you would chin him. Um, <laughs> Mickey I, was... I don't think it was fear that made him no, choose you. No, no, no. I think it was love and respect. He's a tough guy too. Yes, yes, yes. Mickey was an ex exceptional player. It's absolutely exceptional. Exceptionally talented. Um, I will say it was not a lot of difference between him and Glenn Hoddle in terms of pure talent. I'm glad you said that. Yes. I, I adored watching. Mickey oh, yes, I adored. Mean, 1984, he was our best player. Glenn and me, we were injured. He was the, he, he took control of uh, of everything. Uh, brilliant, absolutely. And a, and a guy coming to a new environment, like not from Argentina, but coming from the northeast, and finding it hard to well to. I don't know. He talked about it being culturally difficult for a man from the northeast to come to London. Well, now he's more a Londoner than a Sunderland. So uh, yeah. 
he's a very close friend of mine, yes. And Steve Archibald, I was with him at the weekend, and he was talking about how you would hurdle tackles. Mm. So you, you said you'd been kicked in Argentina, which was also a macho, tough um, environment. But you were really clever on bad pitches about letting somebody lunge in, hurdle them, come yes. away with the ball and keep moving, right? Yes, give him the chance to come close to me. But when they saw that they, that was probably my... I had a little touch and that's it. I was, bye-bye, go. England gave me a lot more freedom of what I have in Argentina. You won't, you will not believe maybe this, but in Argentina they were, you have to do certain things. You have to be in the right, you have to be in the left and so on. In fact, it was Positionally? Not, yes. And you have to do certain, you have to work for the team, meaning this work that you have to do certain things. You have to be in certain position and so on. The only one that gave me complete freedom was uh, Menotti. 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 Menotti never told me, never told me what to do. Just go. And uh, Cesar, I play in the right, I play in the rest. Just go. Just play, play. Oh, that's the only thing he said to me. Never ever said to me, go to the right, go to the left. In the game, he would say, oh, see, um, the weakness for them, say, is in, the, in, in, in our right, say. Go, go more there, for example. Okay, so I will go there. But that will be after, when the game was already on. When he's reading the game yes. and reading uh, what's happening, yeah, where but, the threats are. Yeah, but that will be once in, in ten games. He never said anything. Keith Robinson never said anything to me as well. Never said, uh, go and do something and so on. So when I came to, 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 to Tottenham, I played all over the place. I played right. In fact, in midfield, for example, I, I prefer to play left mm-hmm. than to play right. Mm-hmm. And number eight was more right. When I went, when I played in Argentina, in coming into the national team, I was playing for Huracan in Buenos Aires. Again, you won't believe that, but I was number nine. Number nine means I was center forward mm-hmm. because we have a super super team. So I play. I, the only position I could play was number nine. So the the man I had to play me. So he put, well, you're number nine. And uh, but not just the jersey number, also positionally. No, no, no. I did it. I did it. I did it my way. I did it. Uh, I did it my way. It can yes, be the title I did for this episode. Way. Thank you. Thank you. I'm in Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. My, yes. I went all over the place, and we were incredibly successful. Uh, and this is why we went to the. In fact, when we played 1978 World Cup, Huracan, there were two teams that had five players each. One was River Plate, Luque, Fijol, Pasarela, etc. And we had five as well. That show you how good we were at the time. Two of them were you and Mario Campos? No, 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 Mario, no. Mario was Rosario Central. Mario, so he's the one of the 11. Mario was, Mario was with me in Instituto. In Instituto, yeah. Uh, but Holzman, for example, you remember? René Holzman. René Holzman, that's a, <laughs> what a player. Luque was the one that, for Luke, me, everybody Luke fixated was, on, and Luke was for me in the World Cup, watching it. Your impact was clear. And we had seen players in Britain a little bit like you, but still you stood out. Kempis obviously stood yep. out once he began scoring and also how he looked and everything. But for some reason, Leopoldo Luque, for me, uh, caught my eye. Mm. And when it began to be explained in that 78 World Cup that he had to leave the camp because yep. his brother had died, yep. I think, I haven't researched this, in a car accident? Yes. He was coming to see the game. There was, he was coming to see Argentina play. Yes. There was a second game, France. And then in France, he was in. They never told him that. Uh, we never... Well, we didn't know, but... Not knew, but the family, the father, did not. They knew about his brother's death, and yes. they didn't tell him. No, no. And then uh, he had a terrible, terrible injury. I mean, 
it shoulder or arm? Shoulder, or? shoulder. That means that he played all this World Cup. He played, I, I would say 50%, 60% of his capability. So imagine the... He felt so... Because he wanted to be the number one. He was, at the time, he was competing, Mario and, 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 and Luke. At the end of the day, Mario was more and, and so on. And I would say Mario was a touch better player, yes. But Luke. M- also, more from my eye, sorry, yep. but maybe I'm wrong. Yep. Maybe more a pure center striker. More than Luke. Luke could go no, 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 wide no, no, and no, 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 no. Luke was proper, proper center forward. Also. I mean, he was there, he will be, say, Joe Jordan, if you want to put it like that. Really, really, the, the last one. Mario was the one that could can play around. Can, yes. In fact, some of the game, he was kind of playing, kind of left midfield, say, left midfield from player and so on. We finished playing hard to four to, incredible, against Holland. We played four to four. And I was one of the two in the middle. Gallego was a very, very defensive one. Yes, he would be all the time there. And I have freedom to go wherever I want and come back. And So I, I was... I had to help him very clearly. I was the number one, the num- number one to help him. Yes, but I mean, I was offensive as well. So uh, well, in the World Cup final, we're going right. reverse. In the World Cup final, you break through yes. two men, mm. three quarters of the way up the pitch, and then you release. To, I don't know if it's looking, but you release to Look. somebody who releases to Kempis for the goal. That's right. Yes. So um, so you're pushing through the line, right. as they call it now. In the other hand. I, this is why I feel so, so close to, to, to Leopoldo Luque, because to have played in that circumstance, Incredible. he went, of course, after the, the second game, he went to the, to the funeral of his uh, brother. So it was, it was incredible. Broken heart, broken, broken shoulder. Broken everything. And he played. Incredible. And he was so important for us. Um, and I feel, I mean, I was the same thing, because against France as well, I, I heard my, my toe there, and it was broken. So I turned to, I couldn't, for example, little by little, I couldn't even walk. Uh, they had to take me in the... They had to lift you, pick yes. you back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I couldn't... But I, you kept on playing. I didn't play against Peru, for example. In the 6-0? Um, yes. I, no, I didn't play there. And in the final, what happened, Menotti was... That's the only time I saw Menotti nervous before the final, because he was playing with the second... No. Not the second team, the first team, the proper team. But I was not playing. La Rosa was playing in my position. And the team was not... Wait, wait, I think... Are you talking about the build-up to the final? Yes. In training? Yes. Right. Yes. And he was not, uh, he was not happy with what he was seeing. So, in the back of his mind, he said, Rosie, you're going to play. Yes. So no. wait, 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 wait. Slow down storytelling. Yeah. 48 hours before yes. the World Cup final yes. in your country... Yes. Going to be played in River Plate Stadium, hmm. and you think you're not playing? No, possibly. I, but I, well, I, I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk from because we sleep here, and we had to walk, say, to to eat. We had to walk, say, seventy yards, fifty yards. I couldn't walk. So, remember Killer? Remember Killer? I was, he played with us as well. He put me in his strong guy. Jossie, come here. I couldn't walk. Um, so we were having training, and Menotti was not happy with the team. No happy with the team, and the the one missing was me because, of course, I couldn't I couldn't do anything, nothing at all. So in fact, he asked me to the day of the game. He asked me to no, the day before the game. He said, "Osi, I want you to to play ten minutes for for the first team." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem." But if you, but to play, I had to have an injection, and. The injection, after the injection, I will be worse. 
So the pain will be worse. The, the swelling will be worse. Yes, 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 yes. So, anyways, so yeah, I want, I want you to do this. Okay, no problem. So I played, and I remember it was five minutes. Five minutes, and I'm going to say, okay, thank you very much, Ozzy, peace off, bye-bye. You're playing tomorrow. And this is how uh, I started. What did you, what, what about the psychology of... Oh, the psychology. So you was, come off thinking, I, I, okay, I want to play, I'm glad I'm picked, but I could let people down, I could let myself down. Definitely. Oh, it was, of course, it was, it was not... For example, in Tottenham, the game could be incredibly important, the final and so on. I was all the time joking, I didn't... In fact, I make it a kind of obligation for me not to think about the game because I always thought that you are thinking about the game, you start to perspirate, you are losing energy, and so on. So, joking, 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 that's it. And in the final, for example, you can see my face, everything, I was worried. I was worried, I was worried, one, because maybe not playing, after when, when decided I was going to play, yes, but brilliant. Imagine if I didn't play the final, it would have been devastating for me. You would, obviously, obviously, and we're, we're talking about hypotheticals now because the spoiler for everybody is you win, but which is worse in your, in your imagination on the, I guess, the Saturday night? Not playing or playing and letting yourself and your country down, which I don't know which is worse, Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. yeah Maybe yeah. playing and well, letting yourself down. It's, it's a risk all the time, yes. If it was any other game, claro. I would not have played. It was so bad. In fact, I arrived in, in England here with Tottenham one month later and I was, I was still limping. Again, how this interview started? Lucky. Luck, same thing. What about if my injury was just a little bit more? Yeah. A little bit more, I won't be able to play. And you win the final and you, you sneak off in a police car to see yep. um, your wife who's mm. going to give birth to my friend, mm. Federico, yes. one of your boys. Um. I'd speculate that summer 1978 was quite a good summer for you in general. It was quite... Uh, not, not bad, as things quite go. Quite a yes. Ozzy, you've talked about um, life in England and then having to leave England so many times. And you don't have to speak mm. about it today. No. But it's an interesting subject. And you lost a cousin in the, mm. in the war between the UK and Argentina. We have lots of loyal listeners. So we asked them, what do you want to know? And um, one of them, Sean O'Keefe. Sean says from Cork, my late history teacher, Ollie Ryan, a Spurs fan, told me about Ozzy Ardiles getting abused by fans as late as 1984, sometimes by Spurs fans also. I'd like to know how Ozzy felt and dealt with that during the Malvinas crisis. One thing I would like to say, I was never, ever, ever abused by the Spurs, Spurs uh, people, never. The, the, the players, the players were a sense of uh, support, uh, incredible. Um, but the, the supporters as well, so from that point of view, no. But of course, it was from... I was the most, probably the most famous Argentinian at the time here, with Ricky, I mean, the two of us. And at the time, when we were talking about war, we're talking about, well, I find it funny, but war and politics is more or less the same. When you're talking about this kind of subject, the truth is going through the window. So, um, so it was very, very difficult for me. It was the worst part of my life, without a shadow of a doubt. It affected me tremendously, it affected my... Because I was basically, as a player, a, well, as a human being, but especially as a player, I was all the time a kind of a thinking man. So I was thinking all the time and so on. And I remember, like, why I not like Ricky? Ricky doesn't think about anything. He just go out and play and so on. So I had to be thinking and, and, and it was terrible. It destroyed me for... 
I mean, I went to Paris Saint-Germain uh, after, the, after the war. Uh, But I don't think you enjoyed it. Being in Paris, I was so, so bad. I played so, so bad. I would not believe I can play so bad. That's a mental thing, right? That was 100% a mental thing, yes. Yeah. And if I come back to England, and it took me a while to reconnect, say, with my proper football, say, the normal. I started to do that myself. Maybe I'm not such a good player. And I, I've seen you, you and Federico, your, your son, um, who's a great friend to me, you made a very, very special film, a good film. Yeah. Uh, white, blue and white. But originally Blanco, Albiceles Blanco. Azul, Blanco, Azul. Azul, Blanco, Azul. Mm. To represent the white of Spurs and the blue and white of Argentina. That's right, yes. And you go to Falklands and your face when you look at the military wreckage... I suppose it reminds you of losing your cousin who died yep. in the Air Force. You crash. Hmm. You, you're taken to hospital. It was not in the script, the accident. It was very emotional. Very, very, very emotional. And to be with my uncle, the father of uh, my cousin that was killed in... He was the, the first pilot. He was in the Air Force as well. He was the first pilot. And I talked with a lot of the pilots as well. Until that moment, until that happened, it was a kind of, it was a kind of training for them. They go there and so on, but they were not... They didn't. I mean, Argentina never was involved with anybody. So it was a kind of... A, from the moment that my, my cousin died... This is... Hello, this is, this is serious. It's real this now. Is that is real, real, very, very real. People, men, often treat war like games, mm. and it's not. No, no, it's terrible. It's, uh, it's absolutely terrible. But you come back, and one of the things I love about sport is it heals. It mm. truly heals. Yes. And okay, your magic makes people say, yeah, we, we love him still. You become a real icon of British sport. I know how devoted I was to your style. Mm. Otherwise, I wouldn't have scored so many goals in the school courtyard. <laughs> what, are that, what are the things that you like best about the UEFA Cup run because the drama of how it finishes, you knock out serious mm. teams. You do what you think you came to do in 1978 mm. because you're a World Cup winner. The team is, Keith is economical with the truth. Yes. And suddenly there, six years later, you're doing what probably should have been your, your birthright. Yeah. If, you, if you hadn't come to a poor team in 78 and if the Malvinas War, Falklands War hasn't intervened, You're not only lifting more trophies, probably that Spurs team can become mm. champions. You are talking like me now. Luck. Haha. You see? This is how luck, maybe luck is another word, maybe chance, or whatever you want to put it. But you can see very clearly how that played a crucial, crucial role. Now, coming back to, yes, very clearly, after the Falkland Wars, what, what I am doing here. Very, very clearly what, what I am doing here. And I remember talking with Ricky, and I said to Ricky, Ricky, This is what we're going to do. We are going to be... There have been a lot... Bridges between Argentina and England have been all the time a little bit fragile, say. In the football point of view, with the, with the animal scene, in 1966, they were very, very bad and so on. So when we come with Ricky in 1978, it was a lot of bridges and much, much more. A lot of information of England in Argentina, in Argentina in England. So, so generally the two cultures come a little bit closer right. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I call bridges. So we were bridges, yeah. bridges. And the war happened and it was, poof, all the bridges were kind of destroyed. And with Ricky, I said, well, now we have to, we are going to rebuild the bridges. We are going to start to be the bridges. When we play... In Argentina, they would say, oh, Ozzy and Ricky play and score a goal or whatever it is, so the something about England. And, and the other way, uh, and in the so other way around as well. you assumed a role of maybe slightly healing 
Yes. You, you deliberately spoke to Ricky Definitely. about saying, yes, we, yes. we have a role beyond simply playing well and winning. Much, things. much beyond football, definitely. And I, and I said to Ricky, Ricky, we are going to be remembered for this thing. Maybe more or maybe the same that our football, our wonderful goal, Ricky's wonderful goal, and so on. Because this is very, very important. And it's very, very important for us as a person to do that. We are going to be defined as a person. By our actions, yes. we will be judged, we will be known, and yes. we can look ourselves in the mirror yes. and say, I, I did the right thing, right? That's right. So, yes, when I had to decide, was in France, in Paris, I was not happy. My wife uh, wanted me to come immediately to, to carry on with our house, with our normal life. In London? In London, yes. Pablo and Freddy, of course, they, they're very young, but they wanted to come back as well. So I said, Poof. so, yes, come back. And it was the right decision. It was a completely the right decision. Here yes. we are all these years later, mm. and everything you said is true. You're part of the national culture, yeah. the Falklands War isn't forgotten, but Argentina and England are Argentina and no, UK. Yeah. The bridges are rebuilt. It was very difficult at the time to talk about the Falklands War, but uh, now it's much more open. Osvaldo Ardiles, um, I knew what kind of person you were when I invited you here. Mm. Um, you've, you've explained and you've told stories and you've talked like a world champion. Mm. It's been a real pleasure. I bet you that people who haven't heard you like this or didn't see you play are going, oh, I'm going to YouTube now to watch this guy. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for explaining this small chunk of your beautiful life. Lovely. We, Thank feel, you much. we feel lucky. Enjoy it. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.